Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. That's right, that's it's right. It's going to be us. We can drink and talk shit as much as we want. Nobody can say anything to us. D.L. Hughley, uncut. Hey, now, welcome back. Uh, welcome to, I should say. Yeah, welcome uh, to. <laughs> D.L. Hughley Uncut. I am, uh, of course, D.L. Hughley. I'm Jasmine Sanders. And I'm Kyle, but y'all can call me Special K. It is, uh, it is good to be back. I want to thank our guest from last week. Joy, uh, jo- jo- Joy Reed was spectacular. I just adore her. Uh, I really do. And uh, Sybil Wilkes, who uh, let, uh, always her. tells us what we need to know. Um, very interesting, of course, over the weekend, I, I think that this uh, was on everybody's radar, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, mm-hmm. the Supreme Court Justice, the notorious RBG passed. Yeah, very sad. Uh, and it would have been sad anyway, except now it, it, it definitely puts, I remember uh, my, DJ Lucci, my daughter, she called and said, it's over! <laughs> the election's over! Yeah, that's kind of how it felt, though. And I don't think that that's uh, the case at all. I actually think that... Uh, if you, I think that just trying to rush this nomination through will be uh, detrimental to Republicans. I think it looks hypocritical. I think you already had, uh, you know, because of what they did with Merrick Garland uh, when, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mitch McConnell said that he felt like the new president should be able mm-hmm. to pick the president. This is never, this hasn't happened in a couple of hundred years where they let a president, uh, you know, that was going out uh, pick the, you know, the pick a, a Supreme Court. A nominee this close to the election and the other thing we never had an impeached president uh do it uh so he's breaking all kinds of norms but the one thing i will say is he said uh, give, if, if i didn't have enough reason to vote he said if he uh loses the election we'll never see him again and that's because <laughs> you can't have visitors in solitary confinement you can't do that, can't do that. <laughs> but I, I i do think uh that this really puts the onus i think that there are I think that Trump has hit his base. I think that the people who are going to vote for him are already there. I think this is a race uh, to get people who aren't going to vote to vote. And and I think this is a clear example of what we need to do because everything, every freedom, uh, however hard fought that black people enjoy, they enjoy specifically because of the Supreme Court. Of course. And this is all the more reason why we need to make sure that we get out and vote and not just in the big elections, but also the smaller elections. All of those count. And I think um, especially true when you think about how they have. What was it? uh, Lindsey Graham was saying that, you know, we you know, we you can record me saying this him and Mitch McConnell. And now they're changing their tune, saying, no, we're going to make sure that Trump gets to name who the next Supreme Court justice is going to be. I think that the fastest they've ever done it is 70 days. We have 45 days to the election. 
election. I don't believe that's going to happen. I think they're going to use it. And I think that there are enough Republicans who are kind of in opposition of it uh, to not to have happened. But I think that people really understand all the advances that now, like uh, people always tout uh, Trump's, uh, you know, uh, 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 justice uh, reform uh, to justice, uh, the, uh, the, what he's done letting prisoners out. But what he's also done is appointed more judges uh, to the courts than any other president since, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, uh, Jimmy Carter. Correct. And they're very Republican. I mean, they're very conservative. So what he does here is release them. What they do here is put them back. Correct. Mandatory sentencing. They're generally harsher. They're de- generally more kind of uh, uh, take more of a disciplinary tack when it comes to black and brown people. And so he pretends to let people free, but he also puts judges that are inclined uh, to kind of be more uh, more uh, harsh with black people on the bench. And they're young, and they're going to be around for a long for time. For a long time. And so, There's also another uh, Supreme Court justice who's like 82, I think, yeah, or something yeah. like that. So. They live a long time. Oh, yeah. they do? Because there's something about that robe that makes you live a long First off— And that guaranteed check. <laughs> no worries. You're like, I'm going to get paid no matter what. And, and he said he's going to pick a woman, but where is he going to find another drunk, racist, <laughs> rapist woman? Where's going to find like Kavanaugh? Don't give him no ideas. (laughs) First off, I think if you're accused of sexual assault of any type, you shouldn't be have a job where you get to wear a robe anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You should have pants on so we can see you all the time. You should. (laughs) You should never be. So bring on the next case. We should never. uh, I just. Mm. But you know what pisses me off about the whole thing more than anything is the fact that they are in such a rush to name this next Supreme Court justice, but they drug their feet. When it came to making sure that, you know, Americans had additional... And stimulus. Absolutely. That, that, that they, conceivably, uh, they will have uh, tried to seat a Supreme Court justice to make sure Americans had place to live, uh, places to live and things to eat. Uh, also, if, if they had been, if Trump had seen the urgency, if he was just as urgent dealing with the uh, coronavirus as he is replacing RBG, Tens of thousands of, of Americans wouldn't be dead right now. Well, first of all, uh, according to Trump, he's handled it better than anyone okay. else in the whole world. Well, even if we he's let's, the best at it, let's proud. unpack that a little bit. Uh, even if that were true, what he says he did was to ban China from coming. Okay, if that's your one move, mm-hmm. and if that doesn't work, then you what else did you do? Like because actually banning one group of people, we know that what ravaged the West Coast, the East Coast, was uh, the virus came in through Europe. So what did you take? If you think that you've handled this perfectly, so you're telling me that the best that you could have done was hundreds of thousands of people dead and uh, 6.5 million Americans infected. That's the best that could have been done when the European Union has a bigger population than us doesn't have. They weren't ravaged by that. Yeah. Uh, our, our schools, uh, now children can't... Uh, and, and I really firmly believe that if you look at the d- d- demographics, it is old people, it is black people, and it is brown people. Um, and, I, and I think primarily the reason that they're not raising the fuss because those are the people that are expendable to society. Old, old people have outlived their usefulness, uh, usefulness according to them, and they should be willing to die for the economy. Yeah. And black and brown, uh, they, they, they that should— That they figured didn't have usefulness. They, right. So <laughs> I, think, I think that it's, it's fairly clear. And even if you look at the breakdowns of the children that have died from it, the, you know, the uh, juveniles that have died for it, the largest percentages are Latin, then followed by blacks, and then mm-hmm. and then whites at the smallest percent. So, the reason that people can watch this happen and not really have a reaction because it's who's doing the dying. Yeah, mm. that's true. Well, I think the fact that he is unwilling to look at science, unwilling to look at facts, and take those into consideration, and he believes that he knows more than they do. 
You you can't be unwilling to look at science and have hair that was created in a lab. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's science I'm, that holds it in place. I'm, I'm pretty sure Bosley has a scientist or two. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, you know, that also brings me uh, to the topic of this whole thing with the HBCUs and yeah, the presidents who right. are saying that, you know, that he's encouraging their black students to be the first to come and be a part of the clinical right. trials. Was, mm. I, Dillard I just, and Xavier, and right? Z- yeah, yeah. yeah, which I just... I get it that that black and brown people are disproportionately affected by COVID, but because of who's in charge, I can't trust anything that Trump says, anything that comes out of his mouth. I just don't feel comfortable knowing that some of our brightest students are going to be lining up to take this vaccine. My my problem was he he didn't specifically ask for Harvard or Warden or you know, Ivy League schools. He specifically asked for HBCUs. Mm-hmm. And the last b- black person that listened to him was Herman Cain, and he died, and mm. nobody mentioned him again. Yep. But I, but I do understand that, that there has to be, and I understand people's reticence, because I think that what's happening and has happened traditionally and historically with us as, as a people is there is a mistrust between us and the scientific and medical community. Of course. And there, and there is, vice versa, there's a mistrust of them for us because they have done things uh, that were unethical, and it, you know, from Henrietta Lacks to to the Tuskegee experiment, and so we have a mistrust of them, and they mistrust us because they don't believe that we're having symptoms. They don't believe they actually believe that we are stronger and more impervious to pain, and so uh, that is a very tenuous place to start a relationship. But I I do I I don't think that it's healthy for us to say we're going to be disproportionately affected by this disease but yet not not participate in a process that we're going to have to you know because who who knows they could look up one day and say everybody has to take this vaccine yeah but i feel like they're depending on that particular logic to get black and right. brown people right. to do it right? right because if you think about it what astrazeneca was like you know what let's hold up Oxford University was conducting these very same clinical trials on their students. And you know what they said? We need to stop because people are dying. This is dangerous. Right. But yet and still, they're still encouraging HBCU students to participate. Well, I would think it would be a couple Problematic of things. Problematic for me. I do not trust uh, this man. I think mm-hmm. his motives are not to make sure that uh, the society is healthy. It is a very selfish motive. And he wants to. He thinks that this contribute to his reelection. And I also would have to question the motives. of. Uh, and we all know that pharmaceuticals' primary motives is profit. Right, I understand right. that, but there there are people who manage to kind of navigate these those two uh, realities, and uh, like AstraZeneca, I'm gonna have, have to go with them because I know a stripper named that. Oh God! And, uh, <laughs> and I want I want my vaccine to have glitter, <laughs> but amongst no, other things. I, I, but but I don't think we are in a position right now um, um, to okay. We don't trust uh, that. Uh, we are go- we don't trust anybody and then one day if say for instance they say that this is kind of a vaccine everybody has to take and it will disproportionately disproportionately affect us because they're going to be in public schools and so i think that we i, I can see why those uh presidents who, who also by the way were part of the process they they participated in a study mm-hmm. that in addition to asking their staff and faculty to do it the 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 the, the opposite the kind of the alternative is for us to just wait for an answer and trust that it is. No, no, we have a solution. You have a lot of black and brown Trump supporters. Allow them to participate in these clinical trials, well, first young of, and old. Let you, them do well, it. Well, to, 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 well, I think that the primary uh, kind of requirement is that you have to have a heart and a brain. Oh. So, <laughs> oh well, <laughs> you can't Find another try that on Stacey Daffy. You want to, you get air in your vibe. But I, <laughs> I, I, just, I think. 
I, I think that it is, and and what what has always happened, all in, in addition to uh, every advancement that we've ever had, addition they've all come at the, by virtue of the Supreme Court, but they've also come with sacrifice. There had to be black people who were willing to sacrifice themselves for other black people. Like people yeah. took all kinds of chances with voting, with riding on the back of buses, was with deciding to break law to march, um, and so. But also a lot of that came with facts. You're talking about a guy who said ingest bleach. Yeah. But and I, a guy who that, also said it doesn't exist. That makes sense for Trump supporters. It does. It makes sense, just sense for them to ingest bleach because it's great for whites, but it's hell on colors. It is. <laughs> and black people get but, it mixed yeah. up anyway. Like, we're going to just use fab, Fabuloso instead of bleach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure the purple kind can cure anything. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Our next guest is a founding member of Public Enemy. He's got a new single out called State of the Union and his new album, What You Gonna Do When the Grid Goes Down, drops September 25th. It's Chuck D. There he is. You look so different since you've been a Hall of Famer. I can't. I, it, <laughs> that's that glow. <laughs> so how, how was it before, man? Hey, hey, I was telling uh earlier, uh, uh, as we were getting set up to the battle of the platforms, the YouTube, the Skype, <laughs> right. MySpace is going to pop on back. But, uh, but I mean, really, I, I, I'm from the analog century, man. I'd rather be heard than seen. But, you know, part of the job is to be seen, I guess, because people listen with their eyes a little bit too much. You you said uh, you, you we're going to get back to uh, that. But I do want to get back to the uh, fact that you are a member of... of you're a Hall of Famer, uh, and I know you may not have set out to be that way, but it, it happened. What is does that feel different? Did you kind of know it was going to happen along the way, or is it just something you just is is a is that you're matter of fact about? I have a I have a weird story, a different story. Uh, DL, it's like Rick Rubin, which is probably one of the greatest producers of all time. He hunted me down for two years and tried to get me to do records. So I came in coming down uncompromised when I finally agreed to say, okay, Rick, I'll, I'll do records um, for this new company you call, got called Def Jam and prove and rap against the world that it could be looked upon as high art instead of low art only. Uh, that was my driving force, driving goal. So once I agreed to get in it with my, with my guys and my crew, um, our whole game is to take it to the stage and take it to the Hall of Fame to show that this music is legitimate, not a bastard music. Is is it different? Do you see from that genesis? Because you guys kind of were the the genesis of this whole thing, uh, and kind of the founding fathers of that, if you will. And now to what uh, rap has evolved to, you see a big difference, or is it is it uh, is it artistically satisfying? Not satisfying? Do you think it's uh, what you intended it to be? Uh, what you are you are you proud of its involvement or not? 
Yeah, art is art. Art is artificial. Art is short for artificial. It's a facsimile of life. It's not life itself, but it reflects it. And sometimes you got to, you know, stand to the side when people say that they put a bottle around it or own it. So it is what it is. It always changes. I think we were pioneering in a certain era. We wasn't part of the first pioneering generation, but we overstood that. We started out as radio DJs, and we wanted to be curators of the art form. So we had an understanding from as early as 78 and 79 that the music was going to change every year, if not every two or three years, and turn into something else. And it hasn't stopped doing that on its own terms since the late 1970s. Why? Because rap is not a, a music. It's a vocal on top of music. Saying that rap would disappear is probably as silly as saying, I wonder when these singing records are going to stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> rap, these niggas rap, keep singing. Jesus Christ. Right. <laughs> it, rap music is rap on top of music. It started as a, as a DJ overdub on top of records. And the musics have all those other identifiable uh, names of folk, country, soul, rhythm, and blues, which started by a writer writing for Billboard, who later on became an executive with Atlantic Records. So it's important to know the history of art. I, I was in, in the arts ever since I was a, a, a born little one, born in 1960, but my parents would al who allowed me to be an artist in my room, and I got uh, uh, art and design degrees in 83 and 84. So I was trained in the arts, man. I was trained to respect the arts, and, I, and rap music and, and hip-hop was an epitome of that and no different. Let, so th things just don't start from nowhere, you know. There's an art to it, as you know, and in, in your craft, BL, one of your many crafts, but your theme that that most of the public know you as being a comedian. They think it's just about jumping anywhere and and having jokes and being funny, and you know that it goes layers and, and mountains beyond that. It, well, you, you said something before we got a chance to start talking, and you said you're the most interviewed person. Uh, in the rock genre, in the uh, rap genre, and and you said it was for a lot of reasons. Now, every time I hear somebody seriously having a conversation about hip hop, in my memory, I I would always know that we're going to be hearing from you, and that's just kind of a given. Why do you think it is that you are uh, kind of looked to in, in regards to that particular art form? Uh, one is my age. I, I'm actually as old as the pioneers. Curtis Blow old. I'll never hear from him. <laughs> He's a Curtis Blow old. Curtis Blow's a star, you know. He's uh, he's hip hop's first star, and LL Cool J's hip hop's first superstar. And you know, it's funny because I've the last time I talked to you was about two or three weeks ago. We talked yeah. for like an hour, but you you you're so <laughs> reticent to talk, but always asked to speak. Like you don't like talking, but you're always. I mean, I don't get the impression you do, but you're always <laughs> asked to speak, which is a weird dichotomy to me. Yeah, it's weird. I, I do more listening than talking. I'd rather be quiet and run my mouth. But when I'm asked to speak, then I speak. And when I speak, I try to talk about what I know about, leave it at that, and keep it moving, really. But I'd rather watch and listen. And that's those are lost attributes. But yeah, I'm, I'm to me, I'm the most interviewed person, not as a bragging thing, but it's a responsibility. I speak for the art form. I speak for culture as I'm trained and learned from the culture that we've had since the beginnings of time. So, I, I, you know, I've done research, I watched it, I, I collect. And then also when it comes down to like what people say is a political conversation or commentary, I've always made sure that rap can have a voice in it. Um, if you check out all the jazz cats back in the 
in the early parts of even last century and all that. They were always cats that watched and listened. And when they spoke, it was really incendiary because they went against the grain. I'm pretty much the same old cat. Did you, okay, your, your new project, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what are you going to do when the grid goes down? That seems mm-hmm. so prophetic. Uh, so now not only are you a Hall of Famer, you're Nostradamus too. What 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 would society do? What what is the response? What what are we going to do when the grid goes down? What is what do you think will happen? Well, the album is is, is uh, helped by a bunch of our friends from everybody from Uncle George Clinton, who's always been a visionary. People go to him for the funk. I go to Uncle George for the funkosophy. And right. from everybody from Be Real to Run DMC, Ice-T, and Rhapsody, you know, just a little help of, from our friends. Really what it is, DL and everybody else is using the platform of, of recording artists that we are. And just to ask a question, what are you going to do when the grid goes down to say beware of government tricks, especially these 43 days going to election? They allowed to pull up anything, and you know, D, you know, they like aliens about to hit Earth, an <laughs> asteroid about to show its ass. Or, you know, they come up with anything. Why do you think that's sudden- important, though? Because you, you've done it all. Literally, you've done it all. You're, you've etched your name in the stars. You are in the pantheon of greats. So I don't, what is your motivation now to keep doing, uh, to keep making art that is reflective of, of the times when there's no, I mean, you've kind of already done it all. You've kind of done everything. I don't think. I don't. I don't think so, man. Every time I run into Stevie Wonder, I can't say ish, man. Hey, Stevie Wonder, the only dude. Every time I come up to Stevie Wonder, I ain't got. I ain't got a damn thing to say. <laughs> and Stevie be like, "Go ahead, sing, fight the power, Chuck." And I'll. Uh, uh, so at, at the age I am, if I can't teach, I shouldn't even open my mouth to speak. And remember this is, you, you know, you are owner to what you think, you're a slave to what you say. So I, when, when I'm called to say mm. something, I try to line it up and, and I try to kind of say, hey, you, you got the answer. Maybe you need an OG advice to, to guide you on the answer to clarify you where to go. Hey, look, what you're going to do when the grid goes down is asking everybody the question they got to ask themselves. Are they prepared? My favorite quote of yours, and I've loved a lot of them, and you said, if I can't change the people around me, I've got to change the people around me, uh, and I yeah. u- and I did not understand that until like I didn't understand it right away. I just thought it was a dope thing to say. <laughs> like I just thought it was a dope thing to say, but I think that it is the kind of thing that if you are not uh, you know impactful in the people that are in your sphere, you got to move the space to the place where you can be impactful uh, and to until you can matter. And I, I take it to me, but you, you're just like a, a, kind, a kind of a font of all these dope things to say, but they come from a thought process that I think many aren't connected to. We ain't make a, a lot of this up, DL. You know, just in the field that you are, you, you listen and you watch more than you actually talk and speak and spit out. The same thing with me. I learned that. I got that line from somebody in a conversation. I was in St. Louis in the airport. And I was like, hmm, don't never say nothing around a songwriter, bro. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I talked to you was probably the most interesting time I talked to you. I talked to you because me and Professor Griff had had uh, words. And I talked to you just about, about about a bunch of stuff. And we were talking about a situation with another young star um, who got into a situation. And your response was that OGs are supposed to teach and guide and, and, and stop young brothers from making mistakes that were going to be detrimental to them. And I, I didn't 
I never looked at it that way, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm more of an observer and a commentator, and I think you really absorb. I observe and you absorb, and your your kind of analysis of that was really uh, kind of the essence of, of, of brotherhood. You're supposed to, I'm supposed to, if I know something, I'm supposed to tell you about it, I'm supposed to look out for you, rather than trying to protect my brand or my perspective. And it's just like an interesting, it's a very jaundiced way of looking at it, but a very interesting one. Well, I just gave you my take on we, We've all been teachers and we all taught and we all have different styles. And at the end of the day, uh, we don't let micro differences give in between us. Although, I mean, that's just human life. We have different styles. Sometimes you need a hard approach to, to actually come across and tell somebody, you know, in a hard type of way. And so, I mean, whether it's James or whether it's Griff, whether it's even Flavor Flav, they got different ways that they've raised, you know, um, young people, young men. And then I got my different ways. I mean, I might have a way that's that's different as I'm taught by my father. And somebody else might have a different way while they're taught from somebody else. So we don't get in between that. Um, if I can always tell really by the way you talk that you were you were taught by your father. I can always tell. I can always tell um, yeah. men who have been around another man, um, men mm -hmm. who were raised by circumstances, and men right. who were who who have kind of uh, let those circumstances weigh them down. But but there is a way that a man speaks when he, a man that he loves and have, has respected is impactful to him. You think that? You, you, you yeah, I'm. No doubt. I'm my father's son. He's the king of kings. One of the things that I find very interesting is that if you listen in the parlance of the public, black men yeah. and their influence on their sons is almost non-existent. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but your experience, I mean, your experiences with your father, in essence, helped you have conversations with the world that got you written in the hall, that helped you ascend to historic heights. I mean, the, going to the Hall of Fame is a very aspirational thing. And and it's it's just a different thing. It's not a, like society doesn't tell us yeah. that. It doesn't tell us that we can be influenced by our fathers and, 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 and have these great, uh, when you say your father's a king of kings, last time somebody said that, he, they were talking about Jesus, doesn't that? <laughs> Man. And, and so it's interesting to, to hear someone say something like that. Yeah, I mean, and, and and also to be selfless and, and to be selfless with anything that you gain from that. I mean, you know, to, to come into a brotherhood, I came into a brotherhood to spread what I had to spread to the brotherhood, and that's how we have a brotherhood. Not everybody always going to be on the same page, but you don't get selfish with your with your teachings and your learnings, and, and, I, and I learned not to also beat people over the head with it, you know? Uh, people have that human right to go whatever or whatever tangent they want to go on. You have that human right. At the end of the day, everybody got to look in their own God mirror, uh, no matter what they say they are. Your God mirror is a whole other thing that's quite personal to somebody else. So I don't, I, I advise, I counsel, I just think that in the time that we had now, DL, we're in a very teachable moment where it's a reachable moment where we should salute to the, to the young energy, but give it count. Counsel, give it advice, and I, I, I believe that in the high point, uh, areas of authority, this should be a retirement age of 65, because a 65-year-old ain't got the energy of a 31-year-old, but the 31-year-old doesn't have the mind of the 65-year-old, so counsel, advice, direction is always needed, and when we look at the presidency of the United States with a 75-year-old running against a 78-year-old, you definitely can't have no conversation about the next 30 years and younger adults moving in.
I believe that we as a people, any attributes that we have that might have got passed down, we should be free to share these things and, and, and help each other grow. You, you, you know, you, we, I, I hadn't talked about the election, but I'm going to now. Um, the, the, I, I have take umbrage with people who say there's no difference between those two men. There is. They're very. I, I'm not saying that they haven't accomplished some of the same uh, things that have not been necessarily great for people uh, on either side. But I think there is a different ethos. They have a different uh, aspect, and they have a different set of rules and norms and mores. And I think ones has been a detriment uh, to literally people's lives. And I, I think when you have to, when you like to me, the problem I have with Trump is that he's the president, but he acts like he's running somewhere that he's not the president. All these things that are happening, if they were great, you would take credit for them. But since they're bad, you want somebody to blame, which is the antithesis of what leadership is. Now, now do, do I think Biden is have, acuity? Is he all that sharp? But I think he's a different human being uh, that is more, uh, more con uh, conducive to this uh, place in history than the other guy. That's just how I feel about it. But I think either way it goes that you have to be a participant in the process. Yes, you have. I mean, uh, voting in the United States is sim is very sim simple. It's it's cavemanic in a way. Um, how you break it across? I said, well, voting is like washing your ass in the morning. You don't have to wash, but you can't walk around saying something stinks. <laughs> That's a, uh, I, 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 I think the next forty, the next forty three days, if you're a black person. And then if you want to go on people of color after it, it's the side that hates you versus the side that you on. I'm sorry, it's narrowed down to those two. The side that hates you versus the side that you on. Man. And, and yeah, and when they tell you that basically your lives don't matter, I think that's woven into a little bit of hatred. So <laughs> it, it, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out to, to do because what will take rocket science in a definition in Wikipedia or whatever, if you laugh at it or not, what you'd have is impending fascism. And fascism in, in this 21st century will take on a bunch of different complexions that we've never ever seen it before because they're, they're, they're old tricks in new ways. And the biggest difference, what do you think the biggest difference between Fear of a Black Planet and what you're going to do when the grid goes down, DL? I, I, what, is, what is it? That people have been born and people have died we don't have the same amount of people you don't have the same people out there the mm -hmm. amount of people that have transitioned in the last 30 years that could give you a roadmap on a lot of different things and the amount of people that have been born the last 30 years that's why you always attack systemic racism and all these ills that are, are woven into society you can't say things like didn't we go through this before well, the answer is for a lot of people, no. <laughs> that is the I think dopest shit it. ever. I never thought yeah. about it that way. Yeah, Maybe I just got tell. here. I ain't never. I don't, yeah. know. <laughs> I don't even know who Michael Jordan is. What the fuck are you talking about? Why would I know racism? Is? You are literally right. 
the two dopest, like, the two dopest people I've ever, three dopest people. One was Charlie Murphy. One is Bill Duke. You you all have a way, and and you. I'm telling you, I swear to God, you should write Hallmark cards. I swear to God, you should come up with a line of Chuck. I, I, when he does it, I'm gonna ask for a piece of it. You, I swear to God, I you know, have to you come up it. with a line of Chuck D cards for funerals. Look, we, look, look, <laughs> we all grew up down the street from Charlie Murphy too. Me, Griff, the <laughs> yeah. whole. We all grew up down. We all in the same. <laughs> and it feels it must be in the water and it ain't the and it, and it ain't the iron and it, it ain't the iron i just want to tell i just i think the world of you and i think that we're, we're all better for having heard you man i think you're just dope what is the name of your new project again? what you're gonna do what when the grid goes, goes down, down is the question to ask thank you for coming on i appreciate that man right.